Hello, and welcome to Sobercast. We provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in a podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Also, if you're a member of NA or have friends that are, please tell them about our other podcast, NAPOD. NAPOD features NA speakers and workshops in the same format as Sobercast. We upload a new speaker every day, and it's easy to subscribe by searching for NAPOD, N-A-P-O-D, all one word, on any podcast player app, or go to NAPOD.XYZ if you'd like to listen online. Hope you enjoy the podcast and have a great day. My name's Frank. I'm an alcoholic. These damned lights are incredible. They've got two spotlights up here. You know, and I hate to be in a position where I can't see drunk's eyes. <laughs> you know, program of rigorous honesty, and I know you're all saying, trust us. We're your friends. I know better. <laughs> uh, enjoyed Johnny's pitch. Appreciate it more when I see what the, what she was working with. I think it's just a rumor that somebody here in Greeley called her boss and told her to wait till Monday to fire her so we wouldn't screw up her pitch. <laughs> I sobered up March 12, 1966. I haven't had a drink since that date. I have recovered from the disease of alcoholism. Recovered. You know, it's that most people that say they're recovering aren't. Okay. I recovered by working on a regular basis the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Why would people say they're recovering? The big book talks about a hundred people who in a relatively short period of time recovered. Well, if I say I am recovering, I have no responsibility for my life. If I lie to you, who can blame me? I'm sick. I'm just recovering. Let me tell you today, if I lie to you, it's because I'm a dishonest son of a bitch. If I run roughshod over you and through your life, it isn't because I had too much to drink. This program works. This program is about getting and obtaining and enlarging Conscious contact with God. And it works. And it always works. I believe there is one mistake in the big book. It talks about people who are constitutionally incapable of being honest. I do not believe that's true. It hasn't met in any of the years of my experience. If you're sick, you're willfully sick. If you're slipping, you're willfully slipping. It is not all right for an alcoholic to drink. In the group in which I belong, it is not acceptable behavior. Now, the human being is acceptable. But some son of a bitch in our group slips. We don't say, keep coming back, sweetheart. We say, sit down, let's see what mistake you made and what you didn't do. And it becomes very obvious very fast. It's not a mystery. Most people who come into Alcoholics Anonymous do not get sober. Most people who come into Alcoholics do not stay sober. We come to these conventions, uh, these regionals, and everybody's all dressed up, fit to kill, and having a wonderful time. And that's as it should be. And it would be all right if the same people would be in this room next year. But they won't be. They'll be the same number of people. And they'll be all bathed and perfumed. Okay? And enjoying the fellowship. But it won't be the same people. There'll be a terrible deficiency here and you won't miss them. You miss the ones that are out drinking that were here last year? I can only care about you if you care. It is a spiritual law. If you don't care, I can't care. 
I wish I could. I have tried. The spiritual life in Alcoholics Anonymous sometimes is a heartbreaking son of a bitch. To watch someone that you have been close to and who have loved and who has grown up with you go out and drink and go out and drink and die. This very community has had a large dose of this in the immediate past. Wonderful men and women. And such tragedies do not need to happen. My pitch is too hard, right? Bullshit, it's a mother's kiss compared to what whiskey does. You know, when I came in, the 12 steps were pretty well hidden. I sobered up in Denver, sobered up at York Street. There was a lot of talk about worshiping doorknobs and what have you. But the one advantage we had coming in during that period of time is the people didn't die out of these treatment centers and away from AA. They died in front of us. They died out of our groups. Now, the death is still going on. But we're insulated from it more and more and more in Alcoholics Anonymous. The awful truth is still going on. To drink is to die if you're an alcoholic. When I came in, March 12, 1966, I assume that's the day I came in. My sobriety date was given to me. Uh fellow in York Street said, you were sober from this date on. I don't know when I came into York Street, whether I was drunk or sober. I heard some guy in Texas give a pitch. He says, well, he says, if you can't remember your last drink, you haven't had it yet. God, I don't remember the last month. Let <laughs> me one of those big books. I get nervous with that one. May I use your big book? I don't think you're ever going to use it. Let me use it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a book that is often discussed and studied, but seldom read. Uh, the uh, When I came in, I was physically very ill. I couldn't remember my own phone number. My liver was shot during the past period of time I'd been puking and passing blood and all the little nice stuff. And I drank a lot. Generally, I don't spend much time talking about drinking. But there's a new liberal thought about Alcoholics Anonymous that you don't need to drink to get in. <laughs> the, the, uh, it, uh, there's more bullshit than you can believe. Now, uh, and why? Why? Why should they... Thing. You know, they, uh, we're valuable people, economically incredibly valuable. If two things, if you can keep us drinking and keep us alive, there is an incredible massive industry that's built up around us now. Okay. Wonderful sources of income in and out of these friends of AA. Okay. Now, you run out of stock. You run out of root stock, the, the material for this industry. Because Alkies have a damn nasty way of dying. So you've got to encourage more and more people into the alcoholism. And what happens with NAA? It's not that they hurt AA. They don't and they can't. It's what happens to the individual. The non-Alkie who has been hustled in to Alcoholics Anonymous. They equate addiction with the disease of alcoholism. Boils on your ass with the disease of alcoholism. All nervous orders and maladies of any kind. <laughs> AA-oriented treatment. But what does it do to the poor individual that is so hustled? Is that he moves into a spiritual life. And a life that demands rigorous honesty upon the basis of a fundamental lie. And he gets sicker, and there's no exceptions to this. He doesn't talk drunk talk. Alcoholics Anonymous is based on the foundation of one drunk talking to another drunk. 
My sponsor, when I came out, was incredibly fortunate, unbelievably fortunate. Almost immediately, I ran into a sponsor. By the way, I ran into a man who doesn't believe in sponsorship. And he distinguished these things for me. I was very democratically minded, you know, liberal thinker. And this issue came up after A had been given to work for me, and I asked him about it. He said, let me tell you. He says, the difference between an addict, a junkie, and an alcoholic is this. He says, you go up here in the mountains, and you get a shack, and you take a normal man, and you hit him with heroin four, five, six times, you got an addict. This is any man or woman. But you take that same man up there on the mountain, and you pour whiskey down for any length of time. In an alcohol animus, put it intravenously, pour it on him with a funnel, you're right. A year, two years, five. He says, when you get done, all you're going to want to do is get away from him. So you take an Alfie up there and you'll marry him. <laughs> and the psychology between the addict and the Alfie is incredibly different. Did you ever see an Alfie trying to hook another Alfie? That's mine, Buster. You get yours. <laughs> Get your hands off of that bottle. <laughs> well, it's just semantics. It's just semantics unless you're a new alpha in AA and get pitched by a junkie. The foundation of our program is identification with alcoholism. If you'd like medical authority for all this, that was told to us, what now, is it 40-some years since Bill and Bob got together? Okay. And there's ample evidence, genetic evidence, the United States Department of Health, they can find an alky in a child, whether or not he'll be alky, with the 21 blood tests that are normally given. Geneticists, both Sweden and England, through genetic, through study of the chromosomes, can tell you whether or not it's going to be alky. Why isn't this published? Because we're valuable people to the industry. Now what I'm going to talk about is the big book. And work in the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous simply. The first step. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. This book says the issue is control. If when I'm sober I cannot stay away from the first drink, or if when I start to drink I cannot control the amount I take, I'm probably alcoholic. Now, that part of the first step was relatively easy for me. Honey, never again. This is the end of it. So help me God. And before dark, I'm in the bar. I drank a lot, by the way. I drank from 8 to 20 hours a day. Every day. That's a lot. Now, I have, I'm large and I have a volume, but I did drink. I did drink. I drank. I drank. I didn't have two glasses of sherry a night. Guy at a meeting last night said, Well, is it what he does to us and does have different tolerance? I have never met an alky who could drink two glasses of sherry a night, do you? <laughs> I have twelve steps the guy. Charlie and I did. He's here somewhere. Duck and I did. And his wife and he are mad. Because he drinks two glasses of sherry. No more, no less. Every night. And they insist he's an alky. And uh, we couldn't do anything with it. We left. They got somebody else, and he's an Alcoholics Anonymous today. That's right. I don't know why. Who in the hell would want to mess with these awful people? For a social occasion. Somebody, wasn't it Johnny? Johnny's got a little brain damage. I don't know. He must have been dropped. He didn't drink. Talk about how, how charming Alkies are. Jesus Christ. Awful bunch of people. A portion of our bunch is here. They're rotten. You know what they said they were going to do when I started talking? They're going to chant, go away, evil one. Go away, evil one. That's right. That's no kid. And then when I finish, they're going to yell bullshit. 
charming bunch of fellas. We started a quarter after, is that about right? That raffle is the most corrupt thing I've ever seen in alcoholics, isn't it? <laughs> Did you notice? She stole us blind and then just gave us that charming little laugh. We make the rules up as we go. Yeah. Oh, honey, I'd like to see your inventory. <laughs> Am I an alky? Am I a real alky? It's been a long time since I've had a drink. Now, maybe when I came in, I was a neurotic that happened to drink. Christ, then you could have diagnosed me as anything. From the psychopath to neurosis to manic depressive, depending on which second you caught me in. Now that's all solved. I am emotionally stable by anybody's standard. I compete in a very difficult profession. I have the respect of the fellow members of that profession. And I am emotionally stable. Now I can drink again. Normally. Or perhaps I was a situational drinker, because at that time I was facing jail, disbarment as a minimum, money. Jesus Christ, I had a lot of people. I had a lot of enemies. I was not a quiet drinker. <laughs> My amends were about a third of them. Is, we don't ever want to see you, you son of a bitch again. Those are the ones that would talk to me. I was not a sweetheart drunk. I remember one guy that had fired me. I'd only been with him two months. I came in, my stuff's in a little pile on the desk. And I asked him, I said, uh, ask him why. Bad mistake. Every drunk knows better than that, but I got careless. <laughs> oh, God, he told me. I don't, you know, you don't do what I want to. I never find you. You lie to me. And, oh, just two months. I'd only been there two months. I wasn't a dumb drunk. I wasn't a careless drunk. Years later, when I make the men's I said, how did you pick it up so quick? He said, my brother's a drunk. <laughs> Another interesting aspect to that. Some seven or eight years, we have a system of rating of attorneys called Martin Dale and Hubbard. And attorneys rate attorneys. And he sent me a letter that he was a rating officer for this company that makes this rating. And that he had given me an AV rating, which is the highest possible rating. And that I had earned it. This is the same guy that I'd really screwed over. And I have recovered. And our lives have become unmanageable. What does that mean? AA's questions aren't questions that are to be answered. AA's questions don't seek answers. Then it would be possible to have a big book study group, right? You can't study the big book. Why? Because the spiritual life is not a theory. You must live it. This is a book of swing set instructions. You take part A, and you put it on part B, and take X, Y, Z, and that, and put it together, right? And you get done, you get a swing set, and it works. And that's all this is. It isn't a philosophy. It's not a theology. It's not dogma. It says you do certain things, it'll work. By the way, it doesn't have anything to do with your feelings. We have an expression in our group. I want you to pardon the vulgarity. Fuck your feelings. Why? Why? Because they don't tell you anything. They lie to you. It's the idiocy of, if it feels good, it's good for you. If it feels bad, it's bad for you. I damn near died on that one. Huh? Here's how. Your feelings don't tell you anything. The industry. Yeah, they pump up different things at different times, right? Have enthroned feelings, right? Okay. It's now a synonym for thought. It isn't how, what do you think about this? It's how do you feel about it? Right? <laughs> how do you feel about the election, you know? <laughs> what the hell do they mean? Of course, feeling, that's getting that past thing. I think now it's low self-esteem. My problem is low self-esteem. It was when I came in, too. Okay. You see, I knew I was God, and the damn world wouldn't believe it. And I couldn't leave up their own self-esteem. So I had low self-esteem. Okay. I thought 
that I was a golden prince that had been kidnapped by two peasants and kept from my birthright. Though my self-esteem was low, because the world would not accept the golden prince. Our lives are unmanageable. Can I do what I intend to do? A definition of honesty for you. I'll do what I say I will do, and I will say what I will do. I will do what I say I will do, and I will say what I will do. If I can do that, I'm a free man, right? I'll get your work done for you. I'll do an honest day's work for you. I'll love you. I'll forsake all of it. Oh, I pushed somebody's button there. I'll tell you that. I hear that. My life is unmanageable. How is it? My wife's sitting over there now. She, by the way, is going to join the chanter. <laughs> oh, what a wicked woman. I was sick unto death a year ago. I mean, I mean sick. Damn near got careless and slipped away from this mortal man. She says, have you done your meditation this morning? I don't mean a little bit sick. I'm not talking about the sniffles or something. I've been sick. I have been submitted to the obscenities of the medical profession, all ends, all openings, so forth, right? And I am sick. You know, and humbly I said, I'll meditate here today. He said, get your feet on the floor. Oh, boy. She has hurt my image. How is it with money? Can I manage money? Is this what I intended? What about the IRS? Phone bill, public service, paycheck, wages. Is this what I intended? How is it really? If you don't answer these questions, look at your life. How is it with personal relations? My family. How is it with my wife? How was it this morning, last night? Is this the way it should be? Admission. Do you feel the tension here? This is called concession to your innermost self. It's not acknowledgement. It is not a generality. It's made in the precise specifics of the situation, the reality you're in. And it's only in that reality that you will find God. Am I a prey to misery and depression? Can I control my emotional nature? How was it this afternoon, today, so forth? I thought if they raffled off two more bucks, I'd wet my pants open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll do it again. She says, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You better know what sanity means. I have defined it as truth. Anything that is other than truth and reality is not, is not sane. By the way, the big book does not talk about sick. It doesn't say you're sick. It says you're a liar and a thief, but it doesn't say you're sick. The disease of alcoholism, but that's the time, last time it uses such a reference. Because what can you do about it? I'm sick. That fell upon me, right? I have no responsibility. I'm sick. But if I'm a liar, I've got some responsibility in the transaction. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I'm 18 years sober. What does that mean? To come to truth. How do I work the steps now? I'm not going back 18 years working. I work them from here and now. Do I believe or I'm willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? First. Good work on the first step makes that a little easier. Then second, who is personal to me. Now, an atheist is not necessarily a man that believes there's no God. An atheist is one that believes that there's no God that has any relevance to him. Now, perhaps this is as far as God's going to take me, no further. This is the end of it. I'll wend out the rest of my days the best way I can. Or perhaps, past here, there's a whole new level of consciousness, a whole new world, a whole new dimension, whole aspects of love and affection I can't only dream about, whole new aspects of power and success and worth and health and love and grandeur. Or perhaps this is all there is. 
Who am I to say this is all there is? Who am I to say this is it? Either God is all, or He is nothing. Which is it going to be? God help me, God is all. And you begin to assume the responsibility for what happens with the rest of your trip through the steps. I'm assuming that you've accepted you're going to work the steps on a regular basis, year by year by year. Well, you work them enough, worse than enough. I took my inventory on the MacBook. And I've been sober 32 years. Son of a bitch is lying. He's lying. He's been sober six months, repeated six and seven times, that's all. <laughs> well, he's the beloved old fuzz butt. Yeah. Seen there at the club. Kills more goddamn drugs. You know, I used to run sheep. I had a sheep ranch for ten years before I, before I went to law school. Law school, by the way, was my cure for alcoholism. But anyway, running sheep, we had bucks. We put 2% of the bucks in for the number of ewes to be serviced, right? Well, amongst those sheep, you'd have bucks that were able to perform in the act, but they never threw any lamb. Potent as hell and sterile as a son of a bitch, right? And worse than that, they cut off little bunches of ewes and fight off the bucks that had something going for them. I've watched exactly the same thing in Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, old George says, fortunately, the Georges die off. But unfortunately, they take a lot of simple minds with them. The awful fact of Alcoholics Anonymous. Very unsentimental thing, Alcoholics Anonymous. What makes it unsentimental? Alcohol, if you're an alcoholic. made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God as we understood it. First step. The first requirement of the first step, before you can do anything else, the big book says you must be convinced that any life based on self-will cannot be successful. Any life based on self-will cannot be a success. What does it mean by that? You must understand this or you cannot understand inventory. It simply means that any life based on my belief system cannot succeed. See, I know all about it. I know how the hog ate the cabbage. And what's right and what's wrong and what's up and what's down and what's good and what's bad. It was my righteousness, my rightness that killed me. I was a dirty, mean son of a bitch and drunk, right? That isn't what destroyed me. It was my goodness that killed me. My knowing how the world should be. And the world not matching it. And the anger and the frustration and the viciousness came out of my frustration. With the the world not behaving as I knew it should. And the world not treating me as I know I should be treated. And you not playing your role in the world. Read a newspaper, and I'm enraged. Here and there, you know, drive down the street. They're raining on my parade. Yeah, I have a right to an open highway. <laughs> and due respect. Any life based on self-will cannot succeed. Then the second aspect, I cannot relieve myself of my own self-will. That's a terrible dilemma. Unless it gives a single statement that is the greatest statement of hope that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous. It says our troubles are of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. That's the greatest statement of hope we have. All of my troubles, if I stub my toe, if I get a cold, if I'm in trouble of any kind, is of my own making. It arises out of myself. Why is that? The greatest statement of hope. Because it also says that within us, in the last analysis, where God is to be found. And I have the solution and the root of my troubles in the same place. You see, if my troubles are caused by you and by her and by them and by it and by bad luck 
and lack of education and all these external things, then I'm helpless. Can't do anything about that. But it isn't true. All of my troubles are of my own making. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. Then, am I ready to go out of control? Am I ready to utterly abandon myself to God? Each time I face this question, each time I go through the steps. I'm not easy. In a sense, it was a lot easier when I came in. I didn't have much hope. That first third step was, God, if there is a God and you have anything to do with the likes of me. I had a real problem. I know what I'd have done with a son of a bitch like me if I'd been God. And if there was a God, and it was like my imagination of God, I was in trouble. So it went like this. God, if there is a God, that was one dirty, lonely night. And you'll have anything to do with the likes of me. All right. I was certain I was going to turn into some kind of a castrated psalm singer, wimp, everything that I despised in life. But from where I was, that wasn't bad. I was moving up. <laughs> wasn't much hope in that. But I've never done it any better. I'm more sophisticated in it now, know more about it, have far more experience, but I'll never take a few more pure third step than I did that dirty same night. Then the third step prayer. God, I'm willing that you have all of me. To do with me and to build with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them can bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Incredible prayer. Incredible prayer. And then from that decision, inventory. Oh, my God, inventory. Here's how you write inventory. You put the bitch's name in the first column. You put the son of a bitch's name in the first column. You take his inventory in detail in the second. In detail. Don't be general. She doesn't treat me well, isn't right. On Tuesday, she said I was a bum. Okay. Then in the third column, now that's where inventory is, is in that third column. Hurts, threatens, or affects my self-esteem, right? Let me show you how it works in reality. Now, this little girl sat here, and every time I say something, she goes, no. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your name? What's your name? Lisa. Are you an al Aha. Lisa the al Okay. Aha. Uh Aha. -huh. Uh -huh. Well, see, Lisa, she's an Alanine. That's first one. Number two, she does not accept what I say. How does this work? Then the book shows you six things in the third column that affect. How does it affect? Let's take the first one. She's an Alanine. It affects my self-esteem. Self-esteem is who am I? who I believe I am, right? Well, in this case, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Superior. <laughs> Ambitious. Well, everybody knows every good, good organization has an auxiliary to keep them out of your hair, doesn't it? <laughs> keep them in their place, right? Personal relation. Marty Mann was the greatest mistake AA ever made. <laughs> Sex relation. A woman should yield and believe what a man says. 
Do you ever notice the Al-Anon's laugh in one place, the Alkies in another? <laughs> Personal relations. My buddies will not appreciate my pitch if she doesn't believe. Pocketbook. It doesn't affect my pocketbook. Now, that third column is great, except it's a lie. It just simply isn't true. And making decisions based on that lie has failed me. And that lie that does not exist in truth is the cross on which I was crucified. And that's how inventory works. Now, these skills you don't pick up overnight. You need help. You need help from somebody that's done it. Not sympathy. Everybody knows where sympathy lies. But these spiritual skills are passed on. We share our strength, hope, and experiences. And that isn't constant drunkalogue. This is precisely how you recover. And you gain these skills. Quit looking at your watch, honey. You're just making me nervous. The fifth step. With a closed mouth. Understanding friends. In our group, mostly we take our fifth steps with each other. We understand what the hell we're trying to do. And a friendship. That gap must be crossed with love and affection. This is not a mechanistic thing. I couple my power with your power. And again, we come to this mystical world, word called admission. This confession to innermost self. And you move to that place within yourself that is closest to the will. Although you yourself cannot act directly on your will, you must move to this state before God that can and will work with it. And you go through all of this stuff. I've heard of lighting a candle, but this is absurd. Yeah. A friend of mine, David, another David. God, watch a man named David. They're beloved by God, but not by man, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Somebody asked him if he's coming up to hear the pitch. He says, no, he says, I'm a close buddy of Frank, but I'm not an admirer of his. <laughs> and then you return home. After you bared to another man the exact nature of your wrong. When you step through and relinquish your right to defend yourself, to explain yourself, to engage yourself, and you face the truth about yourself, and God is truth, and you're turning home, and if your fifth step has been proper, you will have a, an experience of God. I guarantee it. If it isn't, go take another fifth step. Somebody's blocked you from it, or you have blocked yourself. Insist on a spiritual experience and don't get wishy-washy about it. Don't mush around. God is power and you experience it. It isn't a questionable thing. And it isn't a gay little butterfly in your gut. It's like unscrewing this goddamn light bulb and putting your thumb in it. Now that's experiencing power. And that's what the hell I'm talking about. And it's here and it's available to everybody. If you ain't getting it, you're missing it. Begin again because you can have it. And don't settle for a damn thing that's left. It's here for you. And now you stand with, I think, one of the most difficult steps. Because you are really aware that you ain't so much. I've been doing this 18 years. Huh? Then he said, damn fifth step, and here I am. Dad like to come face God. White robe. Clean hands. Here's your... Here's your pal, God. 
But each time I have to come and face God, I got my ass hanging out, jam on my face. <laughs> and again, I have to face the proposition that I am forgiven and forgivable and need to be. See, I'd love to earn and deserve my position with God. Why? Then I wouldn't be beholden, would I? But the grace and the love of God I cannot earn nor can I deserve. And I face that on the sixth and seventh step. My Creator, I'm willing that you have all of me the good and the bad. And I pray that you remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. And grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. That magnificent seventh step prayer. Currently on the work I'm doing, I'm trying to learn about forgiveness. I live in an imperfect world. And I've discovered within myself in this last work, again, this tendency to hold people in judgment. How do you do that? You overlook their defects. I'm the original sinner. But look at that second column and see if it's true. My God, he is a son of a bitch. He really is. I admit it. I forgive him. And you move again to that same state that you were in when you were seeking your own forgiveness. And then in your amends, you relinquish your right to hold him. Trouble is, who's holding who? I found myself bracketed in such a fact. And I don't know who's letting loose of it, but it sure as hell's work. Then your eight step list. Had a hell of a trouble with harm. Tell you a story. There's a fella in a, a named Del Heckendorf. I am very loose to so that son of a bitch's anonymity. That's just getting even. He's got my name strung all over Texas and every place else. Okay. Bill and I, when we were drinking, got in a bar fight. I busted his jaw on his arm. I come into A, and then Del comes into A, right? And for six or seven years, he keeps saying, when are you going to make amends to me? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, you know? Is anybody in the world? To think that, that Del Hagener shouldn't have his clipped, I'll tell you that. <laughs> he was a fat drunk, you know. He pulled Grode, he asked for what he got, what the hell just, you know. Until one day I sat down and thought about it. He was right. He was dead right. But I was a little insensitive to harm, wouldn't you say? A little insensitive to the effect that I have on people. When I snub you. When I'm evasive with you. Let's have lunch sometime, sure, pal. Hedge my bet. In case something better comes along, huh? Honestly, I'll do what I say I will do, and I'll say what I'll do. Remember that one? We started with that in the beginning? Two years. I've done other work with it. But work that commenced when I was eight years sober. After a very difficult time, I worked with honesty. In a fashion that I didn't, I committed to, I'll do what I say I will do, and I'll say what I'll do. I had to rearrange my entire life. And the first awfulness was I found out how damn crooked I was. I found out how much of my life was just an accident. I found out the way I was having so many, much difficulty. If you don't know what your right hand's doing, keep your right hand and your left hand apart, you know, you're going to have funny things happen. <laughs> And then the tenth step. And you begin to work with the line of the will. But through these middle steps you will have developed a line of the will. And you will have aligned it with the will of God. And with the tenth step, you may keep that oneness. Atonement, at one one responsibility, the ability to respond. Whole new ideas and functions. And when these crop up, Promptly admit it. Turn to God. Admit you're wrong. Talk to somebody. Keep you loose. It's not a time for analysis, by the way. In the middle of the street, 
You don't stop and analyze. You get your ass out and you analyze. Analysis and in the evening, the evening meditation in your 11th step. And then you begin to learn how to pray. We sit down, we face the east. Commence this holy act, right? And then Fifi Latrue walks through it. Ah, pal. Ah, Jesus, that's blown it. And that's where you begin. And you're going to sit down again and begin to pray. Oh, God. You find yourself in the kitchen. Come back. You begin again. And you talk. And you read. And you practice. And you go. And move into these various religions where they have these skills. And you begin to learn. There's an idiocy about these spiritual skills. Now, to dig a ditch, it takes you a long time to learn how to use a shovel. It doesn't fall on you overnight. Be a brain surgeon, it takes you years. I don't care what skill you have, what your profession is, whether you're a salesman or what. It's assumed it's going to take you time to learn the skills involved with it. But there's an idiot say these spiritual skills will just fall on you. Come around two years, right? This is how you meditate. And I don't know. Let me talk to you briefly about states of consciousness. Worlds upon worlds. There's this substance in one state of consciousness. It is called ice. And in that state of consciousness, the molecules are very close together. And they move very slowly. Except the molecule doesn't experience it that way. He's crowded. Things are bumping into him, right? Equate it with drinking. Help me a little. Okay. Then he moves into the next state of consciousness, which is called water. Now, in this state, the molecules are much further apart, and they're moving very fast. Except the molecule itself does not experience it that way. The space shuttle goes around the world, what, 26,000 miles an hour? The guy's out there in the end of it, a tether. You know, he's got all the time in the world to deal with the, with the world. Room, time, and which he does. Now, you go on the edge of the flight line at the airport out here, and a plane passing you relatively slowly, but it speeds by you, right? And precisely this same thing happens as you, as you move through with the work in AA. Believe me, this is not all there is. And you get room to live. And pretty soon you find out your ideas about time are idiocy. That time and space are one thing. On a common sense basis. I haven't got the time. I'm too crowded. I'm tired. I got it to die. And you find out energy is in the same place. And then you find out God controls you. Bother you? This kind of talk bothers you. You can't eat it. You can't feed it. Hell you can't. See, that's the difference between you and the guys making a living. You got room enough to make a living. You ever notice people in A can't make a living? They haven't got time enough to. That's true. They're too crowded. Their life's too crowded. They have room to move, to breathe, to live, to decide, to plan. It's crowded with self. And you remove self and you can move in infinity. Have you ever noticed those days when you're with it? And you're with the swing of it? And with almost no effort. Everything happens. You accomplish incredible things, right? And then the next day. And you're pouring it on, and you're driving, and you're giving it hell, you know. And you're pushing, and you know, see. At the end of the day, you end up with a handful of shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, you understood that. <laughs> Same thing as molecules. <laughs> well, utilize, don't analyze, right? Bullshit. That's not what the book says. The book says analyze. This is simple. System of thought. I don't care what your education is. I learned to think in Alcoholics Anonymous, not law school. In fact, I went through law school too. Somebody think I'd given a pitch someplace. A woman come up and says, well, how did you go through law school drunk? I said, lady, I was a drunk. I wasn't a goddamn idiot. <laughs> a system of thought, and it works. Incredible things happen to you. The spiritual life is not easy. Writing inventory is not easy. It's difficult. Going to these meetings, living with these people. Jesus, living with these people's often. <laughs> you know how I pick my friends? 
if they like me. I didn't the way I used to do it. I had these images of friends. I was around kissing people's ass that despise people <laughs> and misses the people that take care for me. Then you begin to learn about love. Love is just to intend to love, to intend to care. And love becomes a very solid, very powerful thing. I found my manhood in alcoholic phenomena. I found my work in Alcoholics Anonymous. I found my health in Alcoholics Anonymous. I found my mind in Alcoholics Anonymous. And all this that you're finding God in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I wondered after this began to work, what the hell was I going to do when I burned this up? I had burned up everything in my life. Everything I ever touched, sooner or later I burned it up. Turned it to nothing. Turned it to crap. Turned it to ashes. And the grief began when I knew this was going to work. Because I knew one day I'd screw this up too. And let me tell you, that did not happen. And let me tell you this. Alcoholics Anonymous is fresher and newer and more mysterious today than it has ever been. Now, if I've upset you with my talk, Get a piece of paper out, put that son of a bitch is Frank's name in the first column, and solve your problem, because I don't have one. God bless you and thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.